Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. G'day guys and welcome to episode 23 of the Social Fishing Podcast. We are back with another great episode, kicking off 2020 with a bang and I can't wait to continue to grow this podcast and share so much content with you. We want to share what we've learned but I also want to interview some of the greatest minds in our country who are just as passionate about fishing as you and I. I want to find out what makes those anglers tick, find out their secrets and their approach and share it all with you. Now, I believe fishing is all about sharing and growing as anglers and people, and that is why the podcast is here, to help share and help you guys grow as anglers. Now, this is a special episode as Chris and I sit down and talk about one of our most favorite species, the trout cod. This is an incredible Australian native that gets left behind and forgotten because it is a protected species, aren't we? And we aren't allowed to target them. Due to this, it means there isn't much information about them. And if you've never caught one, you probably don't know a whole heap about the trout cod. And that's why we decided to do this episode. Now, this episode is not about techniques or how to catch them. That's not what this episode is about at all. We're going to be talking about the species and their history and what led to their decline, why they are now a protected species. Uh, then we go on to talk about their distribution and their habitat. Now, Chris and I get into a really good discussion in this episode and even just the two of us talking back and forth got me thinking about things I didn't even realize now it's a really interesting episode and you're really going to enjoy it we cover their reproduction as i said and the structure they need before we get into talking about the small recreational fishery there already is yes that's right there is a rec fishery already established where you can actually go target trout cod and keep them for a feed and then we go on to discuss the possibility of a future recreational fishery in every waterway it's a jam-packed episode and there is so much we talk about these fish are incredible very similar to their close relative the murray cod but oh so different this is a cracker of an episode and i hope you enjoy now before we jump in i just want to thank you for listening uh, to the social fishing podcast and now if this is your first time to the podcast i want to welcome you and thanks for joining in the community and if you enjoy this episode make sure you leave a review on apple Podcasts. we would love to hear from you also if you don't know much about social fishing and what we do but you are new to the fishing game and want to learn more about catching freshwater fish then i want you to do something for me head over to our website socialfishing.com.au and check out the free freshwater mini series it's a video series and it will give you the best foundation to lure fishing for Murray Cod, Golden Perch and Trout. Head over to socialfishing.com.au and check it out. Alright guys, without further ado, let's jump in and have a chat to Chris about the mighty Trout Cod. G'day guys and welcome back to another episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. Uh, it's good to be sitting back again with Chris, mate. It's been a while. It's been a while. Long time between drinks, mate. Happy New Year 2020. Yes, Bring it on. That's right. And fingers crossed for a good year, even though we've got uh, all the fires and things like that. It's not a real good start, but, you know, hopefully, you know, we can turn around, we can share a heap of fishing content and Absolutely. make light, you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see the, the, issue. The, the silver lining in all of this. Um, the, at the moment, around our area, the fishing is going fantastic. So, 
um, let's focus on that and um, hopefully these fires get put out very, very soon. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, what we're going to be talking about in this episode, a little bit different, uh, we'd like to discuss different topics, maybe not fishing mm. or, or angling related. This mm. has a little bit to do with it. We're going to be talking about trout cod. Now, mm. trout cod are a really cool species of fish, aren't they? My favourite fish in freshwater, bar none. Um, I absolutely love them. I was obsessed with them. Um, not even just from an angling standpoint, about the, the way they, uh, the way they live, the way they breed, the way they uh, real survivors. Um, they're fantastic species, and as a bycatch species, they're probably the toughest freshwater fish we have. Yeah. None, in my opinion, aren't they tough? They're just absolute brutes. Yeah, they're like turbocharged. What do we call them? Like supercharged um, bullets. They're like tanks. They're just angry Submarines. all the time. Angry all the time. They are fantastic fish, and yeah. you know. Hopefully through this little bit of a podcast, give you guys, especially you guys who don't have these species in your waterways, a bit of insight into what they're like and hopefully the recovery of the species. Yeah, because to us, it feels like they're just there all the time and yeah. that everyone gets to experience them, but they're actually not very populated throughout much of the country. Abs- There's only tiny not. little pockets and mm. I think one of the probably two or three, mate, probably one of the best pockets is basically where we fish all the time. So Ab- absolutely, the, yeah. Like we catch a lot of them, they're just there and you just can't not catch them. Mm. So we know what they're like, whereas mm. some people might not have never experienced trout cod before. Absolutely, not like even in sections of the Murrumbidgee River, I've fished um, Maud, Balranald um, and Hay and I've had a yarn to old fish shows and cockies down there and they've never even seen one yeah. and we're you know that's, that's foreign to us down the river here you can go fishing for a day and if you don't bump into at least one or two um it's a bit uncommon yeah so what we're going to talk about in, in this episode is we're just going to give you an overview of what trout cod are this is basically just a trout cod episode and all willingly knowing that you cannot actually target them except for a minor few couple of places. Mm-hmm. So you can't actually target trout cod. So a lot of this is going to be about them, distinguishing them, distribution, mm-hmm. basically the history of trout cod, the future of trout cod, mm-hmm. the future of possibly being a wreck fishery with only the last few years, wreck fisheries actually opening up. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what we are going to touch on. It's not, this podcast is not about catching them Absolutely in not. any way because you know you, you actually can't go out there and target them. So. First of all, what are they? The species, the trout cod. Are they? Are they across? The biggest question people ask. <laughs> are they a half trout, half cod? <laughs> no, not um, one bit. First and foremost, no, they are not a half trout, half cod. And that, and surprisingly enough, working in the tackle industry for the better part of ten years, that is one of the comments I get a lot of. It is not a trout cod. The reason are uh, trout slash cod. The reason they are called trout cod probably is more so because of the habitat they like to live in which is generally faster flowing, cooler rivers. Yeah, so their characteristics is where they got the trout name from. Mm, Absolutely. Fast flowing stuff, the aggression. Mm. That's the trout name. Name. Which is kind of, they shouldn't have called it that, really. Blue nose cod's probably more of a better name for it. Um, But trout cod, yeah, they've got absolutely nothing to do with trout. So they're very similar, distant relative cousin what how do you say it of the well, Murray well they, 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 they are a cousin of a, of, of a trout cod they're in the Murray cod the Murray cod sorry not Murray cod um, and they are known to hybridise um, so they're not that far away from each other yeah um, so they're, a cod, they're a cod species they're an absolute cod species and we are seeing more and now that we're seeing more and more populations of them we are seeing actually more hybridisation of the two um, probably the, the big distinguishing features is of, of trout cod is you know they generally max out sizes around 85 centimetres, with the rare exception they might go to... I've seen a couple... In the 90s? In the 90s. 
but most people will see him around about from that 40 centimetres to around about that 50 to 55 centimetres. Yeah, even smaller. Like on bait, you get yeah. those 25, 20 centimetre models. A lot. Um, right up to average, what, 55? 55. 55 60 is a lot more. We used, you know, there used to be people out there who class 60 centimetres as a, as a trophy fish, but, you know... I mean, you can go down the river, you know, in April, May, June in cool conditions chasing big Murray cod and you can bump into half well, a dozen even, of them. Even now, I think Mitchie was out there on the weekend and caught a couple of trouties. So, yeah, so that size. It's, um, they're, they're growing quicker and quicker every year, so which is fantastic. But the average bait fish show, you'll pick them up around about that, you know, 30 centimetres up to about 55. A lot of fish that size. Um, distinguishing features when it comes to the actual fish is you know, to determine them from Murray Cod is probably the overhanging lip. Yeah. Murray Cod generally have a, more of an even lip. Yeah, because I was going to say, the big thing people used to say to me is, oh, they've got to strike through the eye, they've got to strike not, through the eye. It's they've not got always to... But it's the, one of the worst ways to tell them because Absolutely. every fish looks different and your de- determination of a strike through the eye is different and patterns are so different. Mm. I don't even, you don't even look at that. You'd listen. The, ju- the juvenile, the smaller ones, is probably a little bit more prominent, but yeah. as soon as you start getting into your larger fish... Sometimes they'll drop it completely. Yeah, and even even juvenile Murray cod, it looks like sometimes they'll have a mottling, like they have a stripe to their eye. Yeah, so exactly. It if by the be all and end all, if you had a mature fish when you thought might have been a you know, Murray cod or a trout cod, and you were going to keep it because it doesn't have a stripe through its eye, I, I wouldn't count on that. Yeah, no. Look look for that overhanging jaw. That's probably the biggest distinguishing feature. So basically, if you if you hold the fish without like a thumb grip and you mm-hmm. let it close its jaw, which it will, because mm-hmm. trout cod are known for that. It will clamp down. Its its jaw will overhang. The top jaw, the top jaw will overhang is overhang. Whereas the uh, Murray cod are basically even, or if not, they've got a bit of underhang. Underhang, yeah. So they got it. They got and they got to end along with that. They got a pointed snout. Mm. So if you look at a cod, it's it's its front lip is rounded, whereas a trout cod has basically like a beak almost, a Absolutely. very pointy snout. Mm. So that's, they're the two. Key, the real key one is that that overhanging jaw. Then they start to get a little bit. They're they're a lot more athletic fish. They're a lot thinner. Um, especially towards the tail end, and the mottling is totally different. Totally different. It's a lighter mottling. It's not a heavy mottling like you get a Murray cod. Um, more of a canvas yeah, with black dots. Absolutely. Look at it like that. Cod, you wouldn't know if it's uh, what colour green or what shade green or they're yellow in there. You wouldn't know what the base colour is. Mm. With a trout cod, it's that base grey. Yep. They all they all look different. It's that base grey, and it's got black dots black and dots black little it. lines on it, basically. Yep. Absolutely. And... Um, it's a good rule of thumb if you can't tell the difference between it, and the fisheries say the same thing. If you can't tell the difference between the two, yeah, just chuck it back anyway. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's, but then again, it, it could be. It's not just about that. That's the, the main important thing. But mm. also for you as an angler, you, you want to know what you've caught. Absolutely. Well. So even if yeah, obviously if you if you don't, with ninety five percent of us don't keep fish, and I imagine ninety nine percent of people listening to the podcast don't keep fish. Mm. So a lot of people wouldn't sort of distinguish them just so they know what they've caught. The best bet is take a photo. If you're unsure, and it is a good fish, take a photo of it and duck into a tackle shop, send us an email. We've, we've become pretty seasoned at spotting the difference between the two species. Mm. The hybrids can be a bit tricky, and yeah. there's been many, many heated discussion over some really, really big hybrids, but... You know, I've even had some fisheries inspectors have sat there and gone, I have no idea what that Hybridizations, is. Hybridizations, uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a whole other kettle of fish, just being able to distinguish whether it's a hybrid or, or whether it's, it's an actual Murray cod. Yeah. They're the, they're the, the issues. It's the Murray cod hybrid thing. It's not really, is it a hybrid or is it a trout cod? Because trout cod, 
it, yeah, it's, it's, it's real hard to tell sometimes. And also some cod come out of different waterways. They look darker. They look darker, or have a different pattern yep. on them. But they do hybridize, do they? So you've got that third style mm. of fish. And when you're confused about that, it almost looks more like a Murray cod. Luke Moy had a really good one last year. And it was 90, I think it was in the high, mid-90s. And that thing was an absolute tank. And then I had fisheries inspectors coming through the shop and they were, half of them were like, yep, muzz. Half of them were like trouty. Half of them were like, nah, it's a hybrid. They have no idea. But that's the beauty of these species. They're just absolute yeah. animals. Aren't they? But anyway, back to it. So yeah, you Murray cod, like, yeah, they get that larger size. They will get well and truly up to a meter plus. Trouty sort of max out around about that 85. I'm yet to see it myself, put my hands on a, a, a trouty bigger than probably around about 79. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a big fish. Anything over seventy is big. Everything over seventy is big. Um, at seventy nine, I caught on bait when I was a young fella, and that thing was an absolute horse. Yeah. Um, but once again, I have not seen one of those in fifteen or years. So apart from being able to, so basically, you got the grey canvas, the black dots, the overhanging pointed jaw. Characteristics of the trouty when you actually pull them up, a lot of the times they won't open there. I don't think I've caught a single trout cod that they won't comes come up, up with, with their an mouth open, open mouth. Yeah, no. some cod don't come up with open mouth, but a lot of cod do. They open their gob. Mm. Trout cod, I've not caught a single trout cod that wants to open its mouth. And when you try to put your thumb in its mouth to open it up to get the hook out, it won't open. No. You have to stick two hands in there and the other bloke has to pry the hook out. And then like you they, make, the, make the stupid decision of sticking your thumb in it and they clamp down and... They just don't... They've got locked jaw, they, they? they lock jaw and they rip the crap out of your thumb. I'm almost pulled one in on the blade of spinnerbait. So I almost got it to the boat. It All it did was eat the blade. And I fought it up to the top and then it got to the top and let go because they just do not let go. They just hold on. No, and that's, that's the thing in these fish. And if you've never experienced one um, on the end of a rod, you have just no idea. Like people, these things are cranky. Mm. Like my first ever big experience with a trouty, it was actually was drifting with you. And I've caught plenty of trout cod in the past, but big trouties was... Um, you know, it was a rainy day. Reese had convinced me to go drifting down the river in his winter. Winter, it was miserable, and we, we drifted around the corner of this little uh, bend, and there was a tiny little backwash with a couple of bit of a tim- bits of timber in it. Chucked spinnerbait in, just bang, first cart, bang, hit me. Brought it up, spinnerbait blades bent, straightened it out, chucked it back in, bang, hit it again, bent it, brought it back in. I'm like, crikey, he's almighty, twice. Straightened it back out, chucked it back in, third time, bang, hit it again. I was on. I was like, nah, metery. I'm calling it. It's a huge fish. It's an absolute yeah. donkey. And um, 70 centimetres worth of trout cod come to the top. I was yeah. like, where's the rest of it? Yeah, exactly. They are just brutes. And that's probably the detriment to them because back in the day when fishing, recreational fishing was school catching keep, on a bad day, like I said, you had low pressure system, you had rain, it was a miserable day. Bag out on trouties. Yeah, you get They're just so cranky and temperamental. They will hit anything. So you wreck anglers out there, the old set liners especially, it was an easy easy feed for them. They yeah. just pull them hand over fist. And back then they didn't care. It was just meat. So they didn't really know the difference between the two. Like, oh, it's a cod. Let's, you know, so that's why the trout got, got pulled out of the water first. And we will touch on the mm. history of them in a minute. We'll touch a little bit more on that. But basically they're aggressive. Mm. They hit hard. Mm. They fight hard. Harder than any, any Murray pound for pound. I'll, I'll put a, I'll put a sixty-five centimeter Murray cod up against an eighty centimeter 
Sorry, sorry. Other way around. 65 centimetre trout cut up against an 80 centimetre Murray cod, and that'll yeah. pull that fish around backwards. Well, I've hooked some 65s. You're like, oh, yeah, good cod, good cod. You're thinking like 75, 80 centimetre cod, and you're yeah. like, oh, it's a little trouty. Yeah. <laughs> Not was... a little trouty. Good trouty, but they pull. They actually pull, and until they stop pulling and you feel their weight, you're like, oh, no, nah, it's a trout cod. Yeah. While they're charging away, you, you can't tell the power of them no. to a power of big You can't pick it. No. They just go so hard, which... Is why we're excited for a possible wreck angling feature with them, if possible. But there's the, that's that's the the trout cod. Now their habitat. Touch a little bit on their habitat. Different to cod. They live in the same sort of river system. Absolutely. They live side. They live side by side. But what do they pick? Well, that's the thing. And I guess me and you sort of figured this out before I even delved into the the habitat research. But yeah. Um, obviously, the big key thing for them is. They love those mid-river snags. They love faster flowing water. Um, you know, the, the slower pulls, the slower backwater, which we sort of link up with big Murray cod. Yeah. You will still catch trouties in that, but mid-river snags, faster flowing water, especially water that has a, a, t- a high velocity along the top of it. Yeah. That's what they want. Um, and they will live on that structure. They'll live on that, that mid-river structure and they won't move. Mm. And that's probably, you know, been the big downfall of these fish. You know, a lot of the, when we, the pioneer days, when we used to move a lot of stuff up and down the river, the first thing they did was they ripped all the snags out of the middle of the river. Yeah, so there goes their habitat. Absolutely. And you can even see it like Wagga Wagga, for example, the Murrumbidgee River, it was it was used as a, a, a shipping lane. And as you go down from the shallow areas of Wagga, like from probably our down, a lot of the big mid-river snags are gone. Yeah, they're not there, eh? They're not. We're about to be moved from hour up. You see a larger concentration of those big mid-river snags, and that's what the mature breeding fish actually need to survive. Yeah. So, you know, so that's where the concentration of them are. That's where the concentration of these fish are. You know, trout cod used to be distributed throughout the whole southern Murray-Darling Basin, mm. everywhere. Um, you know, as, as it is now, you know, it was ranging from, you know, all the way up from the Murray to Darling, um, seven, seven Rivers, Ovens, everywhere. Now there's one, well, fisheries class, there's one breeding area in Which Australia. Which is? Yarrawonga. Right. Not even... So they, they have to be naturally spawning in the Ovens and the Bidgee, surely. Well, this is the other thing. So... They are classed, the only area the fisheries will say... That they breed naturally. They breed is Yarrawonga. Yarrawonga. Now, you'll the hear river me, downstream you'll, you'll of Mawala. You'll hear me turning over my pages here because I've done a lot. So, Murray River between Yarrawonga and Barmer. And the other one is Cataract Dam. And Se- Seven Creeks, uh, Polly McQuinn's Weir to Gauls Gap Road. Those are, only, those are the only places where you have naturally reoccurring trout cod. Right, based on what they say. Based on what fisheries have done. Now, that may not also be the truth. Yeah. And that's got nothing to do with fisheries. They do a fantastic job. The amount of stocking areas that trout cod have been put into, from the Murrumbidgee... To the Murray, Upper Murray. Everywhere. Yeah. The research just and testing just hasn't been done. Now, I I I can guarantee you that... They are breeding in the Bidgee. Yeah, they have to be. A hundred percent. That's how you get your hybridised fish. So exactly. obviously the trout kind of breeding. Ab- absolutely. 
It's just that I don't think fisheries have the funding and the manpower to, to, do, that to, do, to do the research. So the key popular, so the key, so the habitat, back to the habitat, the mm. habitat is fast flowing, Faster cooler flowing water. water. Mid-river snag. So ab- that's that's abs- where they live. Compared to... I've caught very little trout caught in still water. No. They come out of super fast, aggressive... Like spots where they're going to ambush and feed. Some, smaller fish will sometimes push down to slower, slower moving water. But your mature, sexually mature fish, your big fish, they look for those mid-river snags. So I wonder if they're actually still sitting in the slackest water possible because cod are lazy, trout are lazy. Trout will sit in the slowest part of the pool and then they'll sit in the fast stuff to feed. But browns and that will still sit there behind a slow rock. Rainbows will sit in the current too, but they'll sit in the slow part of the current down deeper in, say, a high-running river. Yeah. I wonder if the trout cod, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they sit in the stillest pocket behind that fast water and then... They just, they must just need that flow for food or... I think it's a, I think it's a big thing. The big thing for habitat for, for trout cod is water temperature. It, they do like a little bit of a cooler water temperature. Yeah. That faster flowing water. Yeah. Like I said, from all the research I've done, they, they do, the, the, as soon as you get a mature fish, they lock onto a, a bit of mid-river snag and that's yeah. it. That's them. Yeah. They stay there. They don't budge. Smaller fish, especially straight after they have hatched, they will float downstream yeah. and they will might inhabit small, slower flowing water yeah. until they're strong enough to sit where they need, sit where to, they sit sit where in, they need to go. Instinctively. Yeah. Exa- absolutely. But yeah, cooler, cooler water, faster water and mid-river snags yeah. or mid-river boulders is what they need for their habitat. So back so next on to distribution, which you just talked about there, mm. you talked about those key areas where they, they breed now. Back before they were all taken out of the river, the same with the cod, mm. when the cod depleted to, you know, 10% of pre-Europeans, you know, population, the trout cod basically disappeared. Absolutely. Obviously, they didn't quite disappear because they're still here, mm. but they were very, very rare. And I know in the Bidgee 20 years ago, it was rare to find one over 55 centimetres. Mm. Now they're coming back. Mm. Um, they were obviously throughout those whole southern the whole, Murray Darling whole Basin. Southern Murray Darling Basin. They had were trout cod. They had trout cod. The, and yeah, a lot of things happened to basically get them to the point where they were nearly extinct. Mm. So if we want to talk about what happened in regards to that, habitat depletion. Yeah. So As obviously said. gutting all the gutting all the snags. Yeah. Flow. We stuffed up the river flows. That's the we, put, we put in weirs and we we regulated the water so when it should have been low and slow, we've brought it up to where it's high and when it should be high, we've brought it down to absolutely nothing. Yep. And that's just not about the trout, that's about all the fish. This is absolutely yep. all the fish species. You know, we, we really put a mocker on a lot of them. Um, silt in the waterways. We've yeah. basically, with farmland, especially with fish that have eggs like trout cod that which will once they pair up they lay their eggs and five to ten days later they hatch if you've got a whole heap of silt coming down it covers the eggs they can't get oxygen and they die die. we've got pesticides in the water which are also wiping out fish we have basically eliminated all the riparian zones along the murrumbidgee river and other creeks and tributaries which feeds all small fish. Yep. If you don't have that riparian zone, you don't have that insects falling in, you don't have the small plankton, you don't have food for small fish. So do you know if the population, now obviously there's like a couple of percent trout cod compared to Murray cod in the whole system. Mm. Back in the day, was it still a smaller population to Murray cod or you're not actually sure what no, it was No, it, like? was, it, was lo- it was 
it was a large it was quite a large population of trout and, and there was a there was a more of a definite line in where they were because they inhabited a, a far different area they, they liked that colder water so you'd get obviously crossover areas where you get both population. yeah you get yeah. both and you would get natural hybridization um at the point now the reason why there's such a a big gap in between it because and I, used, and I used to honestly think that you know these were these were a tough fish and there's probably enough out there to open up a wreck fishery but after reading what these fish need to survive and what these fish need to to breed and and continue you know it's it's making me doubt it to be totally honest so you're saying that you that you reckon they're not as tough as a cod they're not as resilient i i think but, there's a i think there's a lot that could go wrong like for example the amount of Let's just have a look if you were going down the Murrumbidgee River from Aura up to Gundagai. Yeah. And let's just say that, you know, every mid-river snag held, th- let's just say, four trout cod. Yeah. If we have a booming population, we have more population to fish. Yeah. Um, there's not enough cover. There's not enough structure to literally hold or house these fish. Yeah. Not to mention that the gap between, say, let's just say, how whereabouts would you say, and this is just the Murrumbidgee River, as you know, where we start stop seeing a lot of mid-river snags and a lot of that structure. And let's just say there's, we've got these fish contained at the top end of the Murrumbidgee River. Yeah. They are breeding in a couple of hundred kilometres of river. Yeah. The gene pool is now trapped to that level. It cannot grow. The only thing they can do, the gene pool starts to shrink. And they start to basically inbreed breed out and you're saying then they're not a stronger fish basically no. whereabouts if you had the whole river system for these fish to roam and to move yeah and continue their genes along the river yeah mixing genes stronger stronger fish exactly right at the moment we've got a we've got a series of really large mature fish in the upper section of the Murrumbidgee river and there's we're not adding extra habitat we're not adding extra genes yeah, we're not yeah, getting yeah. we're not getting that intake of gene from another area from fish. But that'll have to slowly come back because it was so depleted. Hopefully now they do spread out because you can see a lot of trout cod now through to Narendra. You do even Leeton before they disappear. They're not as strong a fish because they haven't got as much of that flow and there's a lot less of them. But but they are there. So you're saying that you think maybe they're not as strong a fish based on the fact that they're more susceptible to, you know, our hotter waters that we get now and the less flow. Well, if we don't start, one, if we don't start fixing up, one, the habitat for them, we don't start restoring the habitat. Now we've got this healthy population of big, mature breeding fish. We have to start taking care of, okay, what's the next generation of fish going to need? One, we're going to have to make sure the regulated, we're regulating the water correctly at the right temperature. They need to breed which I think off the top of my noggin, we're looking around about that 15 degrees. So it's less than Murray Cod. 15 degrees will spark them into spawn around that early spring. So back in the day before dams, they would have inhabited the top section of the waterway mm. and then there was a crossover and then... Yep. Yeah. So you, now you've got trout in the very, very top, but mm. then between the trout and the cod would have been where the trout cod sort of sat. Trout mm. weren't here originally, but they would have sat in that bit and then crossed over with cod and then you cod a way out west. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So, so so the big killer though for their population to climb was overfishing because they're so aggressive. They would just eat everything. Uh, over overfishing was was one of them, but I, I honestly think it probably it was it was a massive amount of factors like overfishing was one. Everything else you ripe, ripe zones was 
it's it's one thing you us as us as anglers we don't really realise, but if you don't have food for small fish, yeah. you don't have small fish. The other thing was when they used to spawn because we regulated the water so highly around when they did, a lot of the small larvae actually just got pushed away and got killed. Yeah. Then we're looking at other factors, you know, like pesticides, like yeah, sills, like all those things you mentioned. Yeah, a whole heap of things. You know, we we've got to start looking after the environment, otherwise, not just for trout cod, but for the for whole the season. We've got to start understanding that these are factors. So what's the? So they're coming back though. Absolutely, but they're the, absolutely the massive, coming back. The massive, the main, the main reason is stocking. That the yeah. main reason was the amount of fish they put into these key areas, mm. and they picked these key areas mm. based on that's what trout cod want. Yep. So they've picked those areas. Obviously Yarrawonga comes out of the bottom, so there's turbulence coming through the lake. A lot a lot of big mid river snags too, which they've found that that's the that's the key thing. It's a it's the vitally important key to the to the breeding of these fish. They need those mid river snags and yeah. they need that high velocity of water. Yeah. So that's so their key concentrations are the ovens, mm. the bidgey, mm. the middle section, that bidgey between Wagga and say Gundagai. Yep. Um, the ovens. Yep. And the Seven Rivers. Where's that based? That's in Victoria. Now like right. I'm going to go through my, my little bookie. While you do that, so then there's there, then there's the Upper Murray. Very cool, clear water. Well, the and locations where these the, the, the locations where these are stocked is endless. Like for example, look at Nagambi. Nagambi was stocked. Right, with trout cod. With trout cod. Really? Absolutely. But then they had a big black water event and they were wiped out. Right. So, you know, the twenty big prime stocked trout cod they, they put in, on top of the other fingerlings, they found them downstream. Right. Dead. So this is comes down to, you know, they may not be as hardy as we thought. You know, we, we've seen a lot of black water events, but to wipe out a whole population in one go, it's, it's a bit astounding. Yeah. Um, you know, we're looking at locations where we know they're breeding, Murray, the Murray River from Yarrawonga to Barma. Um, they are stocked in the Upper Murray, upstream of Lake Hume, Murrumbidgee from Dubbo to Gundagai, Talbingo Dam, that's a, that's a good one. We'll get back to that one as well. What was that, the Murrumbidgee from where? Well, it says Gundagai to Dubbo, but that's obviously that's rock from, fisher yeah, from fisheries. That's a bit of a typo. Yeah. Talbingo Dam. Now, that's which one we're going to touch on. Yeah, that's one we're going to touch on later, yeah. The Upper Murrumbidgee above Burrinjuk Dam to Cooma, the Macquarie River. Really? Yep. yep. Cataract Dam. And in Victoria, you're looking at Seven Creeks, uh, the Polly Quins Weir to Gaps Road. And that's where they've proven that's the Victorian Midlands, Southeastern Highlands, um, self-sustaining, narrow genetic base. And that's the other thing. It's a narrow genetic base. They don't really... They'll breed there, but unless they are topped up with new gene pool, you could basically breed the fish out. Yeah. So that's a bit of a worry, and that's the same thing that I'm sort of concerned, although we have a larger area, you know, because these fish aren't pushing down, they don't have the habitat to sustain them. Yeah. It's like fitting a whole heap of people in one house, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be a matter of time before someone bumps out a window. Right. Um, you know, Ryan's Creek, Hughes Creek, Buffalo Creek, Buffalo River, Rose River, Caton Creek, it goes on on Mitter River, you know, it goes on and on and on. This they're, is where they're stocking them They're now. stocked, they're heavily stocked everywhere. But then you go down the list and it goes down to the breeding. Yes, unknown, 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 unknown. Yes, yes, unknown, 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 unknown. So what's unknown. cataract? Cataract is a dam. For breeding, yeah, what's the breeding? Say, well, because cataract? Ca cataract, the only, per the purpose of putting them there must be as a stronghold and a backup to have well, them it's somewhere. Well, it's, it's a good solid gene pool now. Because it's massive. And they've learnt, they've learnt something out of this. 
that stocking them in the same waterways as Murray Cod is probably not suggested because we are seeing a buttload of hybrids. Yeah. So, but what about back when humans were not around? I mean, so what happened there? Well, like, this, is, this, this is the other thing, though. You know, this is what we know about these trout cod is minuscule. Yeah, you know, 1986, little. they only started kicking in this recovery plan. So um, that's a bit hectic. So, you know, the information that we have is, is very, very limited. And, you know, you've got a lot, a lot of scientists and a lot, a lot of people who are working on this. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we're still not 100% synced on how these things breed and how they so, ha- act and behave. So maybe back in the day, before basically humans, mm. maybe because there was more riparian vegetation and different structures, maybe the the trout cod only laid their eggs in a certain part of the river and they were fertilised and then the cod stayed over there and maybe that's why the two the two species were so separate because there's so many hybrids well, now. Well, you, th- you think about the way a Murray cod breeds in, and this is opposed to a trout cod. So a Murray cod will find deep, slow water to nest yeah. and they will sit at that, bit of a, that big hollow log or that big slow water and they'll lay their eggs yeah. and the male will sit there and guard them. Trout cod will find mid-river, faster flowing water, yeah. lay their eggs, adhere it to something like a rock or a, or a log in fast flowing water where Murray cod is predominantly not there in the first place. Problem is there's no mid-river snags. There's no mid-river snags. Exactly. So, so that's why, that, and then that makes me think through that section we fish with, which has a lot of mid-river snags, very little hybrids. Mm. Mm. Through that section, a lot more hybrids downstream where there's actually not that many trout cod, but, but there's, no slower mid, water. there's no mid-river snags. So... The male will yes. sit there and guard the Never eggs. Never thought of that. The male will guard the eggs and then they'll be fertilised and then uh, five to ten days they're off. But that's the, that's the problem. Why we're having this, probably why we're having this crossover is because the habitat for these trout cod to breed isn't there. So they are living on the edges, in so the quickest get, spots in the edges. Absolutely. That's where the cod are, just over two exactly metres to right. the left. So if you have heavy stocking of both species, we're going to see more hybridisation. And the hard thing is these hybrids, we're not... 100% sure that, well, these this subspecies can breed, or if it does breed, that might also be a problem as well. Well, can they though? Because if it's like a mule, like a... We are starting to see that there's, there's, there's... Well, first thing, 10 years ago, we were told emphatically, no, they will not breed with Murray cod. Well, yeah, because a mule is infertile, right? Exactly right. But are they infertile? They're they... starting to say that a certain percentage of them can breed. Yes, a certain percentage can't. So what does that do? One, does that muddy up the gene pool of the fish that we have? Mm. Secondly, it also puts pressure. You have a fish that cannot breed. It's also taking up a food for a purebred Murray cod and a purebred trout cod yeah. and adding pressure on an already pressured system. So should there be a fish that we should not be in there? Well, Because you know how you get some fish... That are, that, are, that are mutated or deformed. Yep. I know a few people who chase trout in small streams. They find a mutated trout. Oh, and they'll toss they it knock to it on the, the head. The clean the, clean the gene Because pool. it's bad. And I've caught a few cod. There was one once that Talos caught had a real munged up head and it stunk like real bad. <laughs> and, you know, being, we just put it back in. It's doing a good job. But then this fella I talked to who's a trout fisher, he said, nah, I would have knocked it on the head. Like it was legal size, so yeah. he could have killed it. Yeah. We said, oh, I would have knocked it on the head. You're doing a detriment putting it back because then if it happens, because it looked like a pure cod. Because if it breeds, then it'll muddy up the gene pool. Yeah, so I wonder so, if this stuff happened. Well, I've had a yarn the fishery about thousands it. Thousands of years ago. I've had a yarn the fisheries in regards to what to do, like what is the rules. You yeah. Know? I had a, and they've all come back to me the exact same answer. We don't know. 
So there is rules for Trout Cod. Catch, catch, release, unharm. There's rules for Murray Cod, slot limit. Bang, you can keep that, no worries at all. If it has a touch, and I've been told, if it's got a touch of Trout Cod in it, they're like, oh. Treat it like a Trout Cod? Treat it like a Trout Cod, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Safe bet, put it back in. There is, there's no, there's there's nothing in the New South Wales Fisheries books in regarding to it. There's, there's no bag limit. There's, it's, a, it's a giant, big, fat, grey area. And I suggest if anyone catches one, I'm telling you right now, that defence probably won't land straight with a fisheries officer. You're better off just chucking just it back put it in. Back. Yeah, so I wonder if it's something for the future for fisheries. I'm sure they do a lot of work on it, and they're getting there is to figure out what these hybrids are and how they're affecting. And if a deformed cod, mm. that's separate. Deformed cod, there should be rules for that, or mm. if there should be rules for hybrids. But it's kind of a, it's a weird one, isn't well, it? Well, the, the big thing that these fisheries guys need, and New South Wales DPI and Threatened Species Unit need, is information. So having a yarn to one person, which I've dealt with a while back when we did the iFish episode, mm. was Mary Rose Andico from Threatened Species Unit. Fantastic lady who really, really loves trout cod and is really passionate about it. Yeah. And the big thing that she imparted upon me in regards to trout cod captures and in hybrid catches was to record your catch and send the information back to New South Wales DPI. That gives them a little bit of an idea of where these fish are, where they're breeding, where they're moving to. So all they want is a photo. Maybe if you've got most cameras, you can take a photo and it'll mark the GPS coordinates. They're not going to go share your fishing spots around the around the grounds. They just want to know where the fish are. Yeah. A rough size, chuck back in a drink. Yeah. You know that's really really important vital information for them. Yeah. So while we're touching on that, that's the other thing. Rules. Trout cod. We did touch on it at the start. Mm. Basically, you can't target them. No. Right? You're not allowed to go out and target them. If you go out and get in the boat and go, today we are chasing trout cod. No, you But it's very hard to just chase trout cod, No, it? it's, 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 you know, you couldn't do it. Like even we got a New South Wales DPI grant to go chase trout cod. Well, permit, yeah. Permit. You did with Paul Worsling. How did that go the first day? Yeah, it was. Exactly. It, it's, they don't. They don't yeah. always play the game. So that's the thing. If you guys are interested in more of this, we did that iFish episode, and we, to do that episode, we had to get the permit. Mm. The purpose of that was to educate you guys on what a trout god is and show it, show it, distinguish the features, be able to pick it up and hold it up. Because actually, to pick it up and show it in front of the camera. We wouldn't have been allowed to do. No. We got in trouble for that because you're not releasing it unharmed as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. So we actually were allowed to do it for the show. And yeah, that that first day was rough. <laughs> <laughs> then we got yeah, we, two. We, we, we've gone. We we've gone two. days down the river where we've gone and chucked big hard bodies, big spinner baits for Murray Cod, and all you'll get is just trouties, just smashing it, and they'll yeah. just and they'll ham you. And it's nearly impossible, you know. You know, if you and like you went out there to do it on purpose. And we struggled. And he yeah. struggled. <laughs> we got two, I think we got two trouties and a yellow. So. so, yeah, the rules of the road are, no, you cannot go out there so, and target mid-river snags, especially targeting fast water, targeting areas where you know those big trout cod are going to be. No, you cannot do that. So, then that's the thing. We catch a lot of them because you fish in the edges because there mm. are not many mid-river snags and, mm. and you're catching them because they're in with cod. Mm. So, back to this fuzzy question, what, what's the, what's, what about photos? Yes. So... so uh, I had uh, a, a very long, in-depth conversation once again with head of DPI over this because we do have, uh, in New South Wales, we have um, Tubingo Dam, which you are allowed to target trout cod. You are allowed to catch them. But in regards to 
it is a catch and release fishery, but with, in regards to taking a photo now, I had fisheries inspectors saying, listen, mate, if you take me out of the water, take a photo with it. As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to book you. So I had to follow this up because I was n I did not want to be going to guys, listen, you can go up there and chase a trout cod, but as soon as you hook it, you have to unhook it boat side. Right, okay. So there is a... Um, there is a current policy for photographing fish which are not permitted to be taken, including Murray cod, over 75 centimetres. Yeah. It's the same rule that we use for meter Murray cod. Is it really? Absolutely. For the Talbingo trout cod Absolutely. or for trout cod in the Vigi? No. Any threatened species. Yeah. So I'm talking Macquarie perch. Yeah. I'm talking, you could take a photo of a purple spotted gudgeon if you want. The rules are very, very simple. You can take a photo of your threatened species as long as you're not sitting there and targeting it. If you buy catch a fish, you can take a photo as long as you're taking care of that fish, you're making sure you're handling it correctly right, okay. and you're releasing it as fast as you possibly can. Now, this is where you as an angler have to be aware of what you're doing. If it's dead set middle of summer, it's a thousand degrees, you grab a trout cod. Oh, I've caught a 75 centimetre trout cod. This doesn't matter if it's in Murrumbidgee River or Talbingo Dam. Then you then slap it on your hot deck, take three minutes to go find your camera, then go take a photo of it and then release it. And a fisheries inspector sees you doing that. You go, well, mate, you weren't set up for it. You didn't really handle the fish correctly. Yeah. Um, you, you probably didn't you know, do any good for your fish there. I can then in turn find you. So, but if you take a photo of a trout cod, look after it, do what you do with a cod anyway. If you sit there and catch it, put it in your net, grab your camera up, which is really close and handy, put your thumb in its jaw, hold it up, take a quick snap, chuck it back in the water, your rod is right. You're good, right. And that goes for a trout cod that you're allowed to target in Talbingo. Any protected... Or a trout cod that you're actually not allowed to target in the river. Absolutely any protected species. Yeah, that's good. Whether it be a trout cod, a, a cod over the meter, a cod under the slot limit, is it, it's a, any protected species. Now, yeah. you can look this up on the Department of Primary Industries, photographing fish which are not permitted to be taken, yeah. um, and it's in brackets, um, including Murray Cod um, over 75 centimetres. And I think I even had here, New South Wales DPI has issued the following policy, which provides the clarification to fishes in context of section 36220Z4, because I didn't want to get in trouble just in case it's <laughs> in the ass. Because I was going to say, even as a kid, and everyone would do it, they catch a fish, take a photo. I've always taken photos, yep. track, I'd shared them. We look after them, and it's really not doing the fish mm. any harm at all, as long as you look after the fish. So that's good that you've cleared that up. So you catch a track, you can take a photo, you as can long share as you, it. As long as you are taking care of it and you're releasing it back, as, as quickly as you possibly can. If you sit there, and I can guarantee this will probably happen, if you take a photo of you hanging it up by your jaw, you know, unsupporting its weight, and look like you're doing damage to the fish, you can say you returned it back to the water as quick as you possibly can, but because you haven't got the best interest of that fish in mind, regardless yeah. if it was a trout cod or a 100-pound Murray cod, yeah, fisheries have the right to, to find you. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so now, that's, what's the, so actually, let's talk about those wreck fisheries. There's three, that's what we want to talk about. There's three wreck fisheries mm. for trout cod, and you touched on one being Talbingo Dam. So, mm. if anyone didn't know, Talbingo Dam is stocked with trout cod, mm -hmm. has quite a few in there. 2018, they put 15,000 in it. And they put plenty more in before that. They've been stocking, there's fish back from well, there 2000? Was, there was fish in there from 2000, and we've had, like, and not too many people knew about this. No. So we, we've had guys who were 
my dad told me a really interesting story once that he was trolling his um, Ford Fender back to the boat ramp and he just had it about a few metres behind the boat. And he said that there was a, a cod of around about 75, 80 centimetres, very big, very dark, that didn't look like a Murray cod and it followed these Tassie up to the boat. And he said it looked like a missile. This thing was massive, then turned away and took off. We've seen um, that uh, the NAFA um, record for trout cod, which is held in um, Tubbinger Den. Yeah. I think it's around about 65 centimetres long and 15 pound. Wow, that's a big fish. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fat fish. Yeah, and I had a yarn to the, uh, one of the guys who was there when he caught it, and he said his stomach was just engorged, and it was just full of crayfish. Crayfish, yeah. So um, I've also had a yarn to uh, another angler, um, Clinton Hansel, who was fishing Talbingo Dam, and he's caught a couple out of them. He said he pulled one up and had several following it. Wow. So it's, it's, a, it's an untapped fishery and, I've, and there's one specific spot where I've seen guys who have reported going over this one particular spot in Talbingo Dam and hooking up on every single pass on trouties around about 65 centimetres. Yeah, and they right. congregate in this one area. Nice. So um, so it's a fish. It's definitely a fishery. Absolutely. The thing absolutely. is, Talbingo is a hole for the wind. So if you've <laughs> never been to Talbingo, you're not a trout fisherman, but you want to go out and chase trout cod, just be very careful because it is a very unpredictable yeah, dam. it will whip up on Very, you. very steep mountains around it. It's pretty eerie up there and yeah. it is, yeah, it's windy and it's chock-a-block full all the time because mm. it's snowy hydro. Mm. So yeah, it's but it's got trout cod in it and they're stocked there and the purpose of stocking them there is for a fishery. Mm. So they're in there. Um, and that's a place you can go target them. Where are the two other places? So you, and actually back on that, Talbingo is catch and release only. You catch and release only. You, you, can't, you can't keep them, no. Yeah. So same rules I said before. Pick them up, take a photo, chuck them back. But it's, you can target them. Absolutely. So the two other lakes. Uh, so you've got Lake Sambel in Beechworth, which is a lovely little lake. Um, it's like a little town sort of size I didn't lake. even know. I went down there a couple of years ago. I didn't even realise there was trout caught in it. Yeah. Until I did a bit of homework. Um, and Lake Kefford. Never been there. Um, but small small trout, uh, like they stocked with trout cod, I think yep. since um, 2008, there's been more than uh, 45,000 um, stocked in it. In which one? Both of them split Both. between the two. Right. So heavily stocked. There is a catch limit, uh, minimum size 40. So it's a slot limit like Murray cod, so 40, you, 40 to 50 centimetres. So these ones you can keep. One per person per day. So these you can keep. That So the, 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 the tailwingo fish you cannot. No. Anywhere else you cannot. You're not meant to target no. them. But here you can target and keep one fish per day, 40 to 50 centimetres. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. So that's a targetable trout cod fishery. And, and Vic Fish are doing amazing things. Now they're really, really stepping it up. Um, they've been leaps and bounds, in, in my opinion, in front of New South Wales fisheries mm. in regards to getting one million anglers and really making sure our fisheries are healthy. So well, well done to Vic Fisheries for that. Yeah. So there are lakes. What's the recovery? Do you know what the recovery plan is for trout cod? Is there a, what's the future for them? Are we going to see, in your opinion, and are we going to see a wreck fishery open them up to catch everywhere catch and release only like oh, i would love it mm. i would absolutely love it and i hope it happens i have no idea if it will but um, if they make if they can bring trout cod back that well that they're actually a catch and release what do you what do you think no you don't think they'll ever do that no um oh i shouldn't be so pessimistic no this. i'm keen for it <laughs> i'm um, keen for it so um <clears throat> keep I've, I've, I've been going back through the recovery plans for trout cod and they do have set parameters and they do have set goals 
and they do you know for example they do that the, the the next the next recovery plan and you know to be totally honest to improve on the fishery we've got to do some drastic things one we have to make sure the habitat's there yeah you know, and going back to the very very first um recovery plan which was in 2000 i think in the early 90s now saying we want to get them deregistered from 15 years on from that and like well, that hasn't that hasn't happened mm. but the, also you know the reason the restocking's been there which has been fantastic and the science behind it's been there but when it comes you to the more. actual when the actual environment um it's not suitable no not enough there's tiny suitable areas and the thing is that we we're a little bit blind by it because we we fish this area and i'm sure there's other guys who fish other areas have trout cod and they sit and go oh man we catch trout all the time why can't we keep them if you were to stand above your map and look down and highlight the areas where trout cod are in retrospect there isn't a great there isn't a great no. deal of space that they're, they're not really spread out everywhere what i would like to see happen is not i think the first step would be and i think this would actually help the further uh, growth of the species because i think it'd make people more aware of how good they are and, and and take care of them and give the give these fish what they need in regards to habitat or water flow you know uh, or you know taking care of the riparian zones is to open it up to a catch and release fishery that's what i was getting at and give them a legend status so a lot of people alleged and a lot of people get frustrated by fishing in the river they're like oh i caught you know Caught two Murray cod. I've got a 65 and 70. I've got a fork. I've got a trouty. Yeah. Well, what's so bad about that? Yeah. You know, if you sit there and go, rightio, meter Murray cod, that's its legend status. Everyone wants to catch a meter Murray cod. Yeah. Go, rightio, guys. Legend status for a trout cod, 75 centimeters. Yeah. You would change the whole game of how recreational fishes look, look at, at trout cod and if we educate them going listen guys we need to you want to see more of these fish and i'll guarantee you if you opened it up and said listen you go target a, a 75 centimeter trout you come back and you tell me what it's like there's fishery there's fish shows out there who've never tangled with a 75 centimeter trout they come back and go wow this thing bent hooks buckled me rod peeled line went upstream went downstream and was just an absolute dog that's insane i want to do more of that you go right oh, this is what we have to do to further this fishery it's a bit like, but like, we yeah, but we can't do that because it's got no status because we can't target them. Exactly so right. So people are saying there are nothing fish. People go out and catch a bunch of track cod and they're like, hey, yeah. we've got track cod. It's the same size as the Murray cod you just caught. They were both forty-five centimeters. Ex exactly right. They got a whole heap of bloody trouties, and that's the that's the thing I hear all the time. Like, no, these fish deserve respect. They deserve the status they. But we can't have. give them that. Even us, we can't give no, them that. No, absolutely. Though we love not. them. We can't. We can't. Yeah, we want to try things on the water. We want to do things to figure them out and but techniques, and, 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 and then we want to write about it and even, talk about it. That's them, the thing that even even as anglers, there's a bit of snobbery around this fish species because and the thing is, that we a lot of these anglers who target Murray cod, they don't want to catch them. Like they don't want to catch them and keep them either. But they still do, they, they treat Murray cod with reverence. Yeah. yeah they catch trout cod and they're like, oh, it's a bloody trout cod. You ain't going to keep the fish that you were targeting anyway. Yeah, exactly. So what's different about a trouty? So if we give them a legend status, we create a whole different recreational fishery. As you know, like these fish inhabit different waterways, different types of structure. They fight 10 times harder than any other freshwater fish. Mm. If we get fishing anglers invested in these fish and go, rightio, 
I want to catch more of these. We need more structure. We need to develop better waterways and take care of and manage these fisheries. Mm. I can guarantee you, it's a bit like duck, hunter, duck hunters over in the US. Some of the biggest conservation um, attempts other, over there... Other hunters. Other hunters. Yeah. You get anglers involved in this. Go, righto, guys, we'll do a trial. Three years. Played by the rules, catch and release. I can guarantee you... Give them a close season to breed, just like Murray Cod. Don't target mid-river snags. Don't target those breeding areas. Bugger off. Report people who are doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Open them up. Give them a legend status. Say, right at 75 centimetres, you've just caught an absolute donkey once-in-a-lifetime fish. And then people will talk about it in magazines. People will write about it. Then people will know about this fish. People will travel to chase this fish. Not only will it help the fishery, but it will help the economy of the areas around it. Yeah. And at a time now where we have a lot of fisheries that have been under the pump, yeah. it's not a bad thing. Mm. Maybe down the road, I'm talking a long way off, there could be a possibility for a catch and keep. I personally don't want to see it because I, I, think, don't there think, are, I don't think there are species that could handle it. Mm. But like you, like you know, it's hard to get away from them. Yeah, but so... You know, that could be the future. That's what I'm hoping and praying for. Is, I, I'm, is I'm that... hoping that I think fish, in all honesty, I think fisheries and, and um, the guys taking care of these species, I, I, I honestly can't see them going, nah, guys, have a crack at it. Because one, they haven't had the, they haven't got the, the backing and the money behind them to go up there and do the research and tagging and testing that it takes to sit there and count the numbers. Yeah. Um, even talking to the guys from Threatened Species Unit when we first got the uh, the go ahead to do the fishing thing with Paul Worsling, they yeah. were they were astounded by the numbers that we we told them we were getting, and they didn't even know. And they didn't even know, and that's just because they just don't have resources. The, they don't have the resources to do it. It's not their fault. They don't know what's going on up there. So um, now I, I I'd love for them to go up there and go through with electro fish it and find out what the numbers are like you know it might you know be fantastic i reckon you'll see some massive fish um you know and look at the possibility of turning into a wreck fishery yeah it's interesting anyway you just got to look forward to it in the minute head to talwingo and battle, them there. battle the elements and trust me i reckon there. there'll be guys up there who are going to get absolutely smoked on big fish i can't wait to see the first big 80 centimeter trouty crack top water out of talwingo amongst the timber i reckon that'd be an absolute hurt. Yeah, it'd be a hard place to work out. I haven't, haven't had a crack at it yet. I've been meaning to get up there ages. It's just been creating too You'd much content. You'd be absolutely surprised where these fish are congregating. I'm yeah. not going to give it away, guys, but wow. And the size of these fish, they are just grain-fed beef heads. They're yeah, it's huge. funny, hey, because they are a flow-orientated fish, and so are Murray Cod, but Murray Cod have adapted to living in the impoundments. Mm. So these fish have been dropped in here. They don't know anything different. Their genes say we should be in flow, but obviously they've still adapted. Mm. Breeding-wise, they're probably not breeding, but they're like, right, we've still got to survive. So they're eating craze, trout, mm. whatever they can do. And yeah, they're, they're big fish. Mate, so. I had a bloke who went fishing up Lobs Hole. He was trolling an F9, got hit, come back with a two-piece F9 Rapala. Wow. In half. That's not no. That's no brown trout. No, exactly. That's a dirt in you know lobs hole, but his lobs hole got a bit of current up there. Yeah, yeah he's cool. ran over a log and he's got absolutely nailed. Be a tough one to work out. I wouldn't go there expecting to catch fish, but go there and give it a crack and see if you can work the place out. But yeah, there's trout cod in there and the two lakes in Victoria. But that's a bit of an insight into trout cod if you never really knew much about them. Giving you a few ideas. The, the, the key thing to take away from that is that mid-river snag stuff that 
crossbreeding because there's no mid-river snags, mm. the fact they're not there, yeah, it's, 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 it's We need to do a little bit more to further this um, species, absolutely. Yeah, anyway, appreciate that, Chris. It's good Cheers, to catch man. up, mate. Cheers, man. Thanks, Hoops. And there we have it, guys. What an incredible episode. I really love every single episode we put together. But this one here wasn't just about going out and catching fish like all of them are. This one, we, we got right in depth about the trout cod. And I even learned things myself just talking with Chris because he'd done a lot of research uh, for this episode. So I want to thank Chris for the time and effort he put in doing the research so that we could share with you, you know, the correct things, especially when it comes to photographing trout cod. So that's a big thing. A big question mark is, is can you photograph these fish? And Chris explained it really, really well. We talked about so many different things and the fact that there could be a wreck fishery in the future who knows i really hope there is one day down the track it'll be incredible catch and release only would be the way to do it um but what are you what are your opinions what are your thoughts send them through to us send us an email send us a facebook message comment uh, on apple Podcasts. just let us know what you think about the possibility of having a recreational fishery for trout cod and obviously if you've never caught one before or you didn't know hope about them i hope you did learn a little bit about them there especially the fact that they live in totally different areas to murray cod you know it's it's good to understand species so when it comes to the fish we do target cod and golden perch it's good to look at their habitats and how they behave and how they feed it'll help us become a better angler but this one here was just to inform you about trout cod uh, and also to be able to identify them and how we identify them the best way to do it but yeah i really hope you enjoyed that episode as always thank you for joining in and i'll be talking to you very soon in the next episode guys heaps of awesome stuff to come this year some really good interviews the next interview coming up is going to be an absolute cracker so thanks anyway guys for joining in leave reviews on apple Podcasts, and i'll be talking to you very soon